Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back to Season 4 of Pigeon Hockey, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve and Sam. How's it going, hockey fans? And there is no Steve right now because Steve's dealing with an issue, but he'll be on here and again in just a second. But we don't claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome back special guest goaltender for the NCAA's D3 UMass Boston Beacons, Antonio Tarantino. Tino, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me back for another episode. No, thanks for jumping back on. You know, you've had a, a great start. We'll, we'll wait for Steve to come back in here in a second to kind of start talking about your college career because listeners right now, Steve is uh, dealing with uh, having security cameras installed and everything just came to a peak right now as we were starting our recording. So you'll hear Steve randomly jump back in here. In fact, I'll take his mic off mute event that he's here because, uh, once Steve starts doing stuff in the background, uh, I think people in New Mexico can hear it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's that's where Steve's at. But Steve's going to tell us why he's having security cameras installed. So that's a, that's for a later story. But, uh, yeah, Tino, great having you back on. Uh, for you listeners that don't know previously that Tino had last season played for the USPHL's Vernal Oilers. And the season before that, he had spent the bulk of his time with the Agna Mustangs and then with the Ontario Junior Reign later in the season. So, Tino, tell us a little bit about um, maybe while we wait for Steve, uh, the transition between junior hockey and college hockey. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's definitely been a lot of fun so far. And um, all the guys are great on the team. It, it definitely feels like a big family that we have and you know, you're, you have, you have classes with teammates and you're seeing them every day, even on days you don't practice or on Sundays, um, you're seeing all the guys. We, uh, me and the other freshmen, we live in the same building. So it's, you really get to see everybody every single day. So it's, it definitely feels like a family out here, but as far as the, um, adjustment, it, it definitely was a little tough at first. I remember the first two weeks of um, our training camp, I definitely had to adjust to the speed and how fast things like happen at this level. And I definitely had to process things a little faster than maybe what I was previously used to. But I think you could say that for any college level, um, most players are, usually have better IQ, they're smarter, and 
things kind of just process in front of you a lot faster also. So I think that was the biggest adjustment. But once you're able to get repetitions at practice and you're you're seeing that change of skill every single day, I think that's when you really start to adjust to things. So I think we're definitely we're definitely doing good right now. So it's definitely been a lot of fun so far. No, it's, I can imagine that the transition there is, uh, it, you know, just any any change in level of hockey, whether it's, uh, you know, going from tier three to tier two to tier one or going pros or adjusting to college hockey, whether that's NCAA or ACHA, you've got to kind of get used to your new surroundings, new ice, new teammates. It's good to hear, though, that you're, um, I know me and you briefly discussed before we jumped on the podcast that uh, uh, you're getting uh, more games in than you anticipated at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it, it kind of kind of came out of nowhere early in the season. I remember telling you guys previously when I first committed in the summer that I was obviously I'm going in as a freshman. I'm going to be playing behind a grad student who is very, very good. And he's been a very good mentor for me so far this year. So originally I thought I was going to get maybe a few games and kind of just sit sit back and just watch what he does and try and learn as much as I can. But so our first official week of the season or of um, the regular season starting, we had the season opener that he ended up playing and I ended up playing the next night against Curry College, who is also based here in Massachusetts. And mind you, both those teams were not in our division or conference is what they call it in college. So it it didn't go towards our conference standings, which also doesn't apply to who makes playoffs. So that was kind of, that was a good way to get me uh, my first game, just, just to like try and adjust and see how everything processes in an actual game-like fashion. So it it kind of hit me very early on. I didn't expect to get a game that early, but when I did get the call, I was excited and just made the most of it. So it it definitely definitely happened quicker than I expected, but uh, I think as as the year goes on and as you get more games, you just get more comfortable and more comfortable um, as you get into games. So think that's kind of my situation right now is just trying to get as many games as I can and the more and more you can settle in and feel comfortable and composed when you are in a game yeah the the adjustments needed at the at the next level and the more playing time obviously the better and getting used to that of makes a lot of sense uh tell us about have you I haven't been able to track so far but have you gotten your first win and if so how how did that feel yeah, so <laughs> little funny funny thing about that. Um I I actually recently got my first win uh 2 weeks ago against New England College um who's based in New Hampshire, but it it definitely took longer than I wanted. I so in let's start in college or at least for our conference, we don't have shootouts. So if you go into overtime. Yeah. So if you go into overtime in the, so 
three on three overtime like juniors. If the five minutes runs up, no one scores, the game ends in a tie. So I've, before my first win, I've been to overtime four times. And at the, at the time of the game that I won, I think that was my, I think that was my seventh start. And I've been the overtime four times before that game. So I lost two games in overtime and I tied two games in overtime and the other two games were just lost in regulation. So it, as, as you play more games and you're still not getting that win, it definitely feel like a weight is on your shoulders and kind of like for players, how um, their first goal is a milestone for goalies. It's a first win. So I definitely, definitely felt like I had the monkey on the back there. But once I was able to get the win, it, it definitely, uh, definitely feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And now I can play. Now I can play freely without worrying about anything. So definitely, definitely happy about that. But so Tino, how many uh, shots did you take in those overtimes? Were you getting peppered or not really, to be honest? Like three on three is always more of a possession game, and if you're going to get a shot, it's going to be a high quality chance. Yeah, but um, there have there have been uh, instances in those overtimes where I'd get a two on one or um like a shot at the top of the slot that I might have to fight off. But for the most part, guys guys just like to rag the puck a little bit and try and catch the team on a change or even just try and transition from a missed opportunity at the other end. So I think that's the hard part for us goalies is not only is the pressure amped up in overtime, but the shot, the one or two shots you're going to see in overtime is either going to be a breakaway two on one or a shot at the top of the slot. So that's, that was definitely one of the hard parts of those overtimes, but yeah, so as me being a dinosaur old tendy, um, <laughs> I never got the pleasure. He's not lying. <laughs> I never got the joy of playing three on three. Now, as a fan of the sport, I love watching it because it's wide open. But I could see as a tendy, you know, looking at it going, I used to love a breakaway. Like I would take a breakaway over a two on one any day or a two on oh, you know, type of thing, right? Yeah. So. What do you think of overtime now that you're experiencing it three on three? Um, I mean, <laughs> if if I could have a game not go into overtime, I'd be really happy. But <laughs> are you ever bribing the boys with beers and steak if they can bury one late in the third for you? I mean, shoot, that might, I might have to I might have to put that on the line to get them to to pot one for me. But no, um, I I don't know. It's it's definitely a good addition to to determine a game, I guess you could say. But once again, like the pressure is the pressure is definitely amped up, and the game is pretty much at stake. And with less guys on the ice, you kind of you kind of have to read the play a bit better and be aware of stuff, but. How good are you with handling the puck? Are you able to jump in and help the boys out with, you know, a, a pass or? Um, yeah, those opportunities, if it comes to me um, where there's no pressure 
or there's no four check coming at me in overtime, I might try and handle the puck maybe behind the net and try and buy some time and maybe get a pass to a defenseman waiting waiting for it or not. But like most of the time guys are guys are keeping possession and wait uh waiting for the perfect opportunity. So you, we we really don't get dump ins in overtime. But I mean if the opportunity presents itself, I'll you know, I'll definitely try and stop that puck and you know, move it to a defenseman because once again, possession's everything in overtime. You've seen it all the time in the NHL where if they don't like what they see in the offensive zone, they'll just wheel back into the neutral zone and get a change and then, you know, reset the offense and try and do it again. So you really I mean, don't see I, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend you go play a little bit with Turco and Smith. Um Turco actually grew up in my hometown for that catch that puck, slap it on the ice and hit a guy yeah. quick. <laughs> I might I might have to jump in the play and make it a four on three. There <laughs> you go. We got to get rid of the red line rule, right? Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. Keepers I'll... can go right on up the ice. Dendies can go get a goal. <laughs> exactly. Make it a power play in overtime. And if we turn the puck over, I might just have to wheel down the ice back into my net. But it's I'd die if you let a clapper go from the top of the circles and ripped it by another attendee. That would be I don't bad. know. I don't know if I'd be at the top. I might I might be in front of the net screening with all that. <laughs> so I might be the screen guy, but I, I I'd be down to get a to get a shot off. Now I'm gonna throw this out at you, Tino, is you know, with the current, you know, scoring system for all leagues, right? Do you think they should make a change where you get three points for the over or for the regulation win to help push players to go harder? Because, you know, sometimes in that last three minutes of the game, if it's tied, nobody's taking a chance, right? They're all, you know, sitting right. back, playing very guarded. And that's where, you know, as fans, as players, you're looking at it going, you know, we're just going to play it safe and go to overtime, right? So right, right. would you like to see that change in point system to to push teams to go for that three? I'm not really too sure, to be honest. I think part of the reason players do do that is, you know, they don't want to be too offensive and give up something in the last minute and not get any points from a loss in regulation. So, but um, I'm going to stick with my – goalie bias decision and say no i would rather the team be more cautious but um <laughs> let's say for for our conference or um division in college um regulation wins are three points uh regulation loss is obviously zero an overtime loss is zero and a tie is one so that's how it that's how the point system works in our conference so there, it's weird that you would get the same amount of points for an overtime win. You know what I mean? Because exactly. the incentive to end it early would be the three, two, you know, and then I don't like the shootout. I hate it because um, personally me with Kuznetsov, I would just go out and Billy Smith the hell out of him. <laughs> it, it would just be lumber across his legs and I don't care. Like, give me five games, give me 10 games. He won't do it to me again. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> to me, out. that's. Because to me, like, how often do you see a guy going that slowly in a game, right? Right. And I know you can't dictate pace, but when a guy's coming in so slow, it, 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 to me, it's almost pointless. You know, I give the guy credit. Like, he found his niche to score, right? 
but my goodness, you know, to me, it's, you know, it, it's, it's such a disadvantage for the keeper to stop that. Right. And there, there have been uh, people expressing their opinions about the shootout, which most of them are probably goalies. Cause I don't think any goalie likes a shootout, but um. I don't know. Would you reckon a, just a longer overtime period would maybe fix that? Oh, heck yeah. Give it, like to, a, give it to 10 minutes or even, yeah, even like throw 10 20. Minutes you've got to score in at You least know what? Or minutes, think about right? this, Tino. A 20-minute overtime. Think about the players on the bench going, don't let this go past five, right? Like, let, yeah. let's end this. So that teams sort of, you know, the slow down possession thing, you know, the, the players adapted when we first watched overtime hit, you know, in the NHL till now. So they could, they'll slow it right down. But imagine those guys having to play up to 20 minutes. You know, um, I think games would definitely be done under 10, right? Because look how many games end, you know, within that five minutes, right? Right. So I just, I would love the threat of a 20 minute overtime where, you know, eventually somebody on the bench is like, okay, come on, boys. <laughs> you know, you got, right. somebody's got to put one in here. Let's go. And also, like those overtime games that do, that do end in five that do end in five minutes um you're you're mostly seeing goalies making good saves and obviously they're going to be good opportunities just due to the amount of chances are created in overtime so if you put a 10 minute clock on then that just that gives more more time to create more opportunities and the higher threat opportunities there are in overtime there you're bound to get one goal yeah. like am i right and then yeah well you, you may see a little I, bit more cautiousness right but think just think about how gassed those guys are right and think about right. how gassed you are can you imagine shesterkin remember him in last year's uh you know, playoffs going over to his bench and just chirping his own bench. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Standing on my head here. Go get me a goal. Can you imagine 10 minutes into overtime, Tino, and you go over to your bench? I don't think you'd be kind of polite with the boys. You'd be like, okay, come on. One <laughs> of you I, I'd, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably limit the words I'd say being a freshman, but I would <laughs> I would definitely, I definitely be like, come on, guys, pot one for me. <laughs> hey, hey, Tito, we'll we'll revisit this when you're a senior, okay? And we'll see. Yes, exactly. Right? Then, then I'll start giving it to the bench once you're a senior. Hey, it's never too early longer. to set the tone, right? Exactly, <laughs> Sam. Yeah, exactly. I think a longer overtime would allow a little bit more uh, variation in lines too, because I think with the current five-minute uh, format with the three-on-three. They tend to stick with the same couple lines, yeah, because it's higher. So I think guys would be burned out quicker. So I think you would actually see all four lines, which means you could see some unexpected overtime heroes in those things. And uh, right, you know, yeah. they would, you know, those goals would actually count for something. And uh, you know, don't mind racking up those saves as goalies for the most part. Um, three on three is a lot of fun. I don't know. For me, I've been doing shootouts since. Uh, I don't know. I've been doing shootouts since North Dakota, so it's been a long time for me. So I'm just used to the shootout format. So I'd still say they have to end it after 10 minutes, then go to a shootout. But I, I, I don't mind it going up to 10 minutes of three on three. Three on three is awesome, and the fans, yeah. like, of course, the I mean, fans yeah. actually really do like the shootout too, from what I've gauged. So people stand up, people get excited, and but yeah, I think if you can end it in at 10 minutes, uh, I think everyone would like it. Uh, but you know what's interesting about the shootout, though, Chris? Everybody loves it if your team wins. 
when your team doesn't end, people are pissed off about it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you got to get rid of this shootout. It's bullshit, right? <laughs> but when they win. Yeah, but fans are fans. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's, 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 I mean, yeah, they're obviously the ones that come in and, and support their teams, but it's better than the game just never ending. And it's so much better than the tie because I hated the tie before the, what was it? The, oh, whatever lockout. I don't know. We've been through a lot now. Um, but I hated remember, the time because the games are pointless. I, I date back to two line passes and the the absolute garbage of when. So do I. And when the when the uh, remember well remember Chris when your defense was under pressure the goalie was I could just fire the puck into the stands and there was no penalty. So yep. when when people complain right now it drives me nuts that there should be referee discretion. No 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 referee discretion. They can't get boarding correct. They can't get you know, goaltender interference, correct? They're not going to be even on a player's intention to shoot the puck over the glass. No, no, it, that's an automatic, leave that as an automatic call, you know? Um, <laughs> so I remember somebody saying, well, because of those rules, you know, you're going to scrap the, or, you know, because of the inconsistency there, you want to scrap this whole one. I'm like, yeah, because I've watched it. You know, I've watched Carey Price get dragged completely out of the goal and they call it a goal. Well, his pad was out of his crease. Therefore, I'm like, the incidental contact rule, dude. Call it goaltender interference. Put the face off right there. No goal. So I've got zero faith in reps. Sorry, reps. That you'll be unbiased with a puck over the glass. No. 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 Anyway, well, sorry about that rant. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, but again, when you go back to the shootout, too, you got situations where, what was it, Kachekov? What's the Carolina goalie? Yeah, Kachekov. Yeah, where I thought what he did against Kachuk was great, and Kachuk got all upset about it. I'm like, no, bro, you don't get the right to just jump in there. If he wants to jump you, he's gonna jump you. Like, he what was it? He did. He came out with like a really sweet poke check or something, but he came yeah, really far out yeah. suddenly. And I'm like, that's exactly what I would do. I'm like, the second I touch the puck, that thing's dead. Yeah, you know, and because I mean, I was playing in a shootout game back in the day. It was great because you know I didn't have the greatest start to that game and we ended up uh, coming back and then I got pulled and we got the the goal with me not net so we were able to bring this thing in overtime and then we couldn't finish it in overtime but we went to shootout and yeah they they just come charging in after I clearly made the save the guy just decided to jump into me like just a pull like he I don't know where he shot it from probably the bottom of the hash marks or something and I stopped it so he just charged me and just plowed me right into the net with the puck and he, he starts putting his hands up and I'm like fuck no <laughs> like the puck was dead when I stopped it. You can't just run into me and plow us into the net and count it as a goal. Like that's continuous motion rule. Kachuk. Yeah. So. Well, what did you think of the one though? Um, was the Hurricanes goal? Was a Hurricanes goalie? I forget which team it was. Oh no, it was Saros. He makes a pad save and ends up tripping the guy, and they gave him a two-minute penalty for tripping. I'm like, are you yeah, kidding? That was recent. Yeah. Oh, I look, I look at these things going to a ref. Like my first thing would be, okay, well, you strap these on. Let, let's see you do this, right? Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. call. Like th those are the ones that just anger me because I'm like, you guys are fools. You know, well, I, they they still can never get goalie interference right because every single time I say it, I'm like, yeah, that's 100% clearly goalie interference, and they say no, and then there's other ones where you're like, nah, he had total rights. Like, goalie interference. I'm like, nope, that wasn't that wasn't goalie interference. That was not, there was nothing in that move that inter stopped the goalie from being able to stop the puck, but they can't get basic stuff. Right. So I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, what drives me nuts though, is like, they'll, they'll see the goalie's glove just outside of the blue and the glove will get clipped. Oh, it was outside the blue paint. 
okay, we're really going to get down to that now? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, then extend the box yeah. up, right? Give it that, right? Because the yeah. blue paint, we're not even, we're still not even safe in there, right? So extend that out a little bit. If anybody makes contact with any part of the goalie in that area, goalie interference, plain and simple, easy done, right? So yeah. I don't want to make it, I don't want it to be to the point where, you know, offense is being hurt in the NHL, but the offense, the numbers are up, right? Like guys are still scoring goals. They're seeing crazy, you know, you'll see the occasional 2-1 game, but lots of times it's three, four plus goals. So that's why too with stats like goals against average, well, you got to compare it to, you know, the era, right? Because right now, if you got a good goal, yeah, you, do. Average, you know, right now in the NHL, like kudos to you. There's a lot of that goalies that get lit up a bit, you know, and it doesn't reflect, you know, properly on their on their play. Which, by the way, too, is where I call out fans that just don't watch the sport and just quote stats, right? So yeah, um, well, that's where I think save percentage is a lot stronger uh, indication. Again, it isn't a full on. You have to actually watch the games, which is why when we do our award episodes, I'm I'm pretty clear about that. Um, you know, because you know we we'll have. Fords that maybe only put up a couple points, but I mean, they made super hard, uh, super smart hockey plays. Um, you know, don't get themselves in the box. Same with the defenders, and then I mean, the same with goalies, where a lot of that can be driven by uh save percentage, but it really depends on the type of shots they're facing. Because if they're a goalie where they've got a solid D and they don't allow a lot of like high risk shots and they keep everything on the outside and they just try to get shots on that. They should get shots on that because they're just a lot of times lucky to get in the zone, you know? Yeah. They can look like great opportunities, but you have goalies where <laughs> defense sucks or there's a lot of high risk opportunities, a lot of second, third, fourth chances because they're just constantly on you on the goalie. Save percentage can be skewed by that too. So there is a massive element in actually watching the game and not being completely uh, stats based. Because again, with the goalie interference thing, same thing. You know what? What actually prevented the goalie? Did did the play actually prevent the goalie from making a stop on a puck, or where there's just incidental contact? Because that's what I'm seeing a lot um, with, like you know, American football is defenders can't seem to really tackle without it being called like uh you know roughing the passer or head-on-hand contact but when when they're going at that full speed and you see them lay down the shoulder it's like okay they're they're making an attempt to not go in head and then they you know the guy kind of moves like at that last second they ram him right in the head they're like oh a 15 yard penalty i'm like i don't know what else the defender could have done there differently because they can't go low you can't tackle a guy low because that's a penalty and you can't hit the head so you're stuck in that one little box element but the game moves quick and i think when it comes to goalie interference the same thing the game moves quick if you've got to look at the plane did the play inhibit or stop the the goalie from being able to actually make the save so sorry i just had to go back on that goalie <laughs> chris does not feel passionate about this at all not at all no, no well the thing is i see a lot of it in the uh, ncdc usphl vijhl and again, the college games I can actually catch because uh, it's about trying to find the right stream for a lot of games. But I'm always, almost always, I'll take the benefit of doubt choosing the goalie side. So there's my goalie bias there. But I, I remember in particular, I don't remember who, I think it was Bakersfield last year, I think. I'm not 100% sure. But it was undeniably without replaying it because, I again, I had the benefit of replay with at that point hockey TV. And now it's 
flow sports or flow hockey. It was so evidently like goalie interference that there's a reason a goalie lost his shit and ended up getting ejected. Cause I'm like, no, he, it was so clear. He got completely taken out and then they shot. That's a hundred percent. No goal. It's, and it was a big, it was a big moment in the game in a tight game. And uh, I think the goalie ended up getting ejected. I'm pretty confident of that, but yeah, I'll always pick the goalie side. But the thing is, you know, we have the benefit of replay. And a lot of times I'll go back and be like, okay, the goalie seems a little bit upset about that. You'll go back. You're like, oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm with the goalie. And I would say 80, at least 80% of the time. I'm like, yeah, the goalie was, the goalie's upset for a reason they were interfered with. And then sometimes it's just, you got to play your cards, right? The goal goes in. You can hopefully use that to your advantage, but without replay being instituted, there's not a lot referees can do if they didn't see it, they didn't see it. Yeah. Hey Tino, what do you think of the Michigan goals? Um, they're definitely, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to pull off. So props to the guys who can pull it off. Um, I think there's, there's only really one way for a goalie to stop that. And that's putting your head right in that corner where they are going to put it. So at so, least for, for me, so if that happens to, you know, cause that's the way I looked at it too. Right. Because I sticking. Yeah, exactly it. So if he makes contact with your helmet as the puck's going in, would that not be a high stick? That's, I don't know. That's definitely something to think about, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's like a borderline call to make. So, well, but if you think about it this way, right? Even like, okay, so if they're calling that the action of a shot and a follow through, you know, that one, that one's a little bit tough because eventually it's going to happen here. A guy's going to come around, he's going to belt the, the keeper in the head, right? And it's going to go in, the goalie's going to yeah. go down. It, gonna happen especially you know said the kid trying to pull off the backhanded one a few years ago which would have been impressive but especially with the backhanded one where you're gonna have less control on it right i think it's gonna happen so i'm interested to see how that call goes if the goalie takes a hard shot to the head goes down and the puck goes in the net i'm waiting to watch the nhl scramble or any other league on that one to say oh shoot what do we do here now yeah it'll definitely create some discussion if the goalie ends up getting hurt or something after that, but it's definitely a valid point. Like if, you know, if you, if you mess up the Michigan and hit the goalie in the head and the puck somehow ends up in the back of the net eventually after, then you, you definitely got to look at that a little bit. Have, uh, has anybody, whether it's been on your team in practice or in a game setting, has anybody tried to pull that on you yet? Probably in practice a couple of times, guys tried to get it on their stick, but fortunately they, couldn't really finish it, but once again, I kind of just put my head there and hope for the best. And but yeah, not nothing really in games. I don't think uh, I don't think coaches would be would be too happy if you try to pull that off in a game, especially if especially if you mess it up too. But definitely in practice, guys are going for it. Yeah, that might be a little more at the the USPHL level than uh, <laughs> the. The college level, trying to pull I mean, that if off. You can, if you can pull it off, you can pull it off. So, like, props to you if you can. But and then might get jumped afterwards. But anyways, uh... <laughs> but let's take a moment to recognize the sponsor for this episode, and that's going to be DraftKings. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Right now, the puck line for the Buffalo Sabres LA Kings game on the 13th of February is in the Sabres' favorite, plus 1.5. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers 
Bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for prom gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks in the National Hockey League copyright. The NHL 2024 already reserved. We again want to thank DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. Has it been, so you were in like the Western, you know, USPHL level last year. Has it been different on, on the East Coast playing hockey there? I'd say the style, like the style of play uh, doesn't really change, to be honest. I mean, it's still hockey at the end of the day, and you ha- you're getting guys recruited from not just the East Coast, but everywhere. So I don't, I don't really think the the actual style of play changes, like like how the style is in Europe coming to the U.S. I n- none of that really changes. I just think the differences between players on how they how they see the game and even their vision like guys like the past teams we've played like guys have been passing the puck around and everything's everything's hard and on the tape and as a goalie you kind of you have to do more head checks and just know where guys are cuz i remember one goal i gave up earlier in the season um against one of our rival schools it was we were on the penalty kill and puck went down low guy kind of rotated um kind of towards where the dot is and then out of nowhere through two or three sticks he slung a pass right to the back door and scored and i didn't really i like i knew the guy was there but at the same time, I thought that a, maybe a stick would get in the way because you're, you're passing it through the, the seam of our box. So I, I didn't really expect the guy to receive the puck, but he did. So I think that just goes to show just like the, the skill and the level some of these guys have. So you kind of you got to have to keep close tabs on everything and have to be really focused and dialed in most of the game. Yeah, and I think also I think the difference maybe I guess maybe just between the juniors and, and going into college is you left juniors as like the the veteran like you you were the older guys and then you go into college and um you're not anymore you're not only are you the again, rookie yeah. but you're the young guy yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so how did you find your first winter in Massachusetts coming from Fremont <laughs> it's uh it's been all right out here actually. I think I think the winter last year in Vernal was definitely a lot worse to be completely honest and we have a few local guys on our on our team here saying that um this winter has actually been pretty good and I was told that it should have started snowing in sometime in November and it it didn't start snowing until maybe a month or two ago. And even then it, it doesn't snow consistently. I think it snowed like three or four times overnight and then snow will dry up and then 
you know, it'll be sunny again. So it's, it hasn't, it hasn't been too bad. I remember in Vernal, it would, it would snow a couple days. I would, I would have to take my car to practice and try not to brake too hard and have my car slide everywhere. (laughs) Then, then, then the snow and ice starts to dry. And then I'm looking at the road like, oh, sweet. Okay, I have a, I have a clean road. Don't have to worry about anything. And then it'll snow overnight again. And I'm like, okay, back to this again. So Vernal was definitely a lot worse than it is out here. I think out here has been – it's been very good. Yeah, I was expecting – yeah, I forgot uh, my pops lives in Ontario. And he said it was really mild. They had no snow up until he flew home in January. And then Yeah, it's got- so weird how that works too. Yeah, sometimes you can just get spanked by it and being closer to that ocean, dude. Like living in Montreal, the St. Lawrence hits the Atlantic, right? God, man, January and February sucked. And even the people who are still in Vernal, too, they're saying it's been good this year, too. So, I mean, it's kind of weird how that works. but. So now transitioning on over to your current place, uh, any favorite restaurants, places you'd recommend if we were in town? Ooh, okay. So, so I'm I'm obviously Italian. So there's the north end uh, or the north side of Boston. The the north end is what they call it. Is just all Italian restaurants. It's there's Italian restaurants, Italian shops. There's gelato spots. I like uh, Italian ice cream, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically these. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's like two or three streets on the north side of Boston. That's just all Italian stuff. And of course, all, all the food is unbelievable down there too. So if you're into Italian food, the, the North end is definitely the spot to be. And then is there's that Boston's um, little Italy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay, a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these big cities have little somethings, you know, exactly. Whether it's little, little Malta, little Spain, little Italy, little Portugal, you know, uh, no, no, seriously. Like if you like Toronto, when we were looking at the potentially relocating from Denmark to Toronto, I mean, you pick a country on the map. There's a little version of it in Toronto. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, it was, and I was excited for it. Cause I'm like, Ooh, what little do I want to live in? uh as as my friends in toronto would say they you can drive for two hours and you're still in toronto so (laughs) that's because you've moved five feet in traffic chris (laughs) (laughs) well i could say the same thing about dc but dc i can't say that you're still in dc because dc is just like this compact well yeah i mean 11 miles can sometimes take me two and a half hours so you know not sometimes pretty frequently because uh, at one point I had to drive there instead of being able to take the Metro. So that was just brutal. Oh, what's the public transportation system like from, uh, your, your perspective there in, in Boston, are you able to just kind of easily get in on public transport? Uh, yeah, my, my way of transportation is Uber and Lyft. So anywhere in the city I need to go, that's, that's my go-to, but we're, um, we're lucky enough to the, the apartment building that all the freshmen live at is it's not on campus, but it's right across the street from campus and right across the street from the rink. So I, I could walk to all of my classes. I walk to the rink every day. So I think um, the place we're at right now is a perfect spot for being at the school. 
uh, if I need to do anything in in Boston, um, I'm definitely Ubering there. <laughs> just the ease of <laughs> that's just the easiest way for me to be able to get there. I don't so know then, if it's uh, close or not, or if your schedule has allowed it. But have you had the chance to catch any Bruins games yet? I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been able to catch a Bruins game yet, but they do play during the week, which it's definitely catchable if I did want to see a game. But they also charge a decent amount for their tickets, being an original six team and overall oh, yeah. how, actually a winning how good team, they are. Right? <laughs> an actual winning team, too. Yeah. Yeah, you had no problems in the 80s and 90s getting Bruins tickets, buddy. Oh, no way. <laughs> and you were probably. It probably wouldn't be hard to get Sharks tickets either, unfortunately. But. Oh, it's the easiest thing in the world. Not that I've tried to. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know what? You're both Sharks fans, eh? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. my boys, here's one thing about the Sharks, because this this always drives me nuts when people run their mouths about a team losing to the Sharks. The Sharks are scrappy right now, and they're just being tough to play against, right? You're not going to get a lot of wins, right? And it's not ideal the situation you're in right now, but they're a pain in the ass to play against. Like I'll I'll throw on a game, you know, like I'll I'll, I'll put it to you this way: four years ago when the Coyotes were playing, I didn't want to watch a game. I was like, this is going to be embarrassing. It's going to be a waste of my time. I don't want to watch this. Even three years ago, the last couple of years has been has definitely been better. But the Sharks are still in games right now. You know, they just didn't, they, they just had an overtime win, right? They beat the Ducks and they beat somebody else. And they're the ones that are going to be the spoilers, in my opinion, this year for teams that want to make the playoffs. They're a pain in the butt. <laughs> but for those who haven't been there, Chris, have you been to San Jose to, in their barn to go catch a game? Uh, no, I know uh, Ben, ben had a partial season ticket plan when he lived out there. I mean... I turned on my offer from the Sharks, but uh, no, I've never actually gotten to go because honestly, trying to live there was just ridiculously expensive, and yeah, <laughs> they needed to come up. They needed to come up. Yeah, beautiful um, setup for an arena, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I was excited because basically, I would have been living at the SAP Center for you know, lack of a better word, I would have pretty much just lived there for about three straight years in order to get promoted. But yeah, <laughs> it was, I was yeah, I would have known. I would have known the insides and outs of that that building but i've heard amazing things about it as well as just the, the local area right around it in terms of like food and, and easy to get to and stuff so i've heard a lot of positives about it but no i haven't i haven't gotten the chance to go to a game there yet that's in about fact, the only positive is the the surroundings at the moment but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, Santana Row has some great food um there's some great great options down there in san jose for sure and, and that's what I've heard. I've heard like uh, I know that uh, well, like I said, when Ben was talking about his time there, he says that you know that the organization was great. Uh, to um, you know, they were really interactive with their ticket season ticket holders, and uh, you know, he'd never actually gotten to play hockey growing up. Uh, so he started skating lessons there, and apparently, what y'all's mascot, Sharky. Yeah. 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 So apparently Sharky was helping him learn how to skate. So he was like, yeah, that wasn't embarrassing at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if I feel like dropping a grenade in the room here, but I'm going to go for it anyway, Steve. So I've seen the recent news and the, the kickback from the NHL's, uh, I guess, December meeting on the Arizona Coyotes um, arena situation. And uh, I want to get your take on it because I've seen that it, it's, it's basically they said 
we need to have a something by shovels in the ground by end of January. We need to find a new. Oh, location. that's no, that that never happened. Dear God, um, that's what I'm saying, pirates, man. I, I just watch my hockey YouTube videos. That's where I get all my. That's where I get all. Yeah, my I know, but that, that that see, people make stuff up. Like I'll I'll go back to this. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a comparison. So. Somebody threw it in Mark Bergevin's <laughs> mouth when I was the GM of the Habs, right? That he, he had a five-year plan. He never said that. <laughs> it never came out. Some idiot reporter threw that in there. And all of a sudden, people were holding them accountable in year five that we didn't have a cup. I'm like, oh, God. Now, with the coyotes, the last time they announced interest in land, all of a sudden, all the special interest groups came out. And that happened with Tempe, right? which there's still a dump that's going to require three to 500 million of taxpayer money and it can't be used as a park. It'll have to be something industrial. So the fight for that land was stupid. It was when the people quote unquote won, the idiots had no idea what to do because I asked one, okay, so what are you going to do now? Well, we don't have hockey there. I'm like, okay, that's wonderful. You've got a dump in the middle of your town. What are you going to do about it? Oh, well, I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. Time to move on. So They've got Mesa already, and now they're looking at North Scott or yeah, North Phoenix. The North Phoenix one will literally be 15 minutes from my house. I hope like hell that's that's the location they have. So with the NHL, they just need to see positive progress with with the land deal going through and that it's not gonna have to come down to a vote. That's the big thing. So Right now, well, okay. if that gets screwed up, if they don't end up with that land, they've got they've already purchased the Mason land. That's there. I think that's their plan B. So the January thing was they were hopeful at that point that it would be taken care of by then. But unfortunately, it's a land bidding thing. So now anybody else can come in and bid for that land in North Phoenix. So now they have to wade through that process. You know, well, and- looking at the yardbarker.com. Sorry, but it's, it's out here. It says you can talk about buying land in Arizona and it can be 10 years before a shovel goes in the ground. The NHL PA director said on Friday via the athletic, as far as I'm concerned, that's unacceptable on behalf of the players on that team. Oh, and it that's be unacceptable the for Marty the Walsh can go f- cactus. He can go f- cactus. <laughs> that guy. He's a whiny little bitch that doesn't like this to begin with. Complaining about a 4,600 arena capacity uh, arena let's go back to when the florida panthers had what 900 people in the arena they're doing well now so marty fuck off now back on over to the land thing. Wow, were you triggered by that steve but, but think about think about this about land right you think it's going to take everywhere when somebody buys land to get 10 years to get a shovel on the ground that's horse crap he's picking the worst case scenario and running with it so once again marty go fuck a cactus there we go. Might, you you <laughs> might need a you might need to put a mature audience tag on this episode. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, well, he's, when he's, I he's... I just decided to keep explicit is all mine right now because <laughs> parental advisor. Well, Chris knew what he was. The fans just heard a lot of beeps. That's what just happened. Yeah. But, you know. Chris Chris knew what he was getting into as soon as he pulled that one. But <laughs> like, look, I've I've lived here since 2008. The Coyotes have been moving the next season since 2008 since I've been here. Right. It's the same thing over and over again. Now, if they do move, like they threw out the caveat that, you know, they wouldn't be against a reload, you know, uh, you know, if they relocate to somewhere else that, you know, they can be a new expansion franchise back out here. I doubt that'll happen. Once the team's gone, it's going to be gone. But I'm not throwing any panic into this because, like, again, it's the Players Association. Okay, you got some players that don't like playing in the arena. Tough. 
I don't know, you know, they loved going to Florida because who wouldn't want to hang out in Miami, right? So get over it, Marty. That's over and done with them. You know, if they end up leaving, they're leaving because this is the way Coyotes fans feel at this point, right? We just want this thing to be done, right? We just want it to be done. You know, the one hope that we have is that the owner of the Suns, if Morello doesn't work out as the owner of the Coyotes, that he comes in and buys the team because then he would be brilliant just to put them, just do the renovations on the current arena and put the Coyotes back in there. One-stop shop for hockey and basketball. You know, that has public transport going all the way down because that's the one convenient, nice thing about, um, you know, the where the Suns play, you know, and where the Diamondbacks play is there's a light rail. So you can go park at a local bar, grab a bite to eat, jump on that, go to a game, you know, and not have to worry about parking and congestion with traffic. Right. So I'm not panicked at this point. But, yeah, somebody brought up that up to me a couple of days ago. Chris, my uh, my response was the exact same thing about a cactus. <laughs> but, I thought you would leave the swearing to me, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, you, you came on out agreeing that you you love the brawl on the outside. You're a power drinker. I'm inspired now. So <laughs> but also, like the hockey in Arizona is really growing too. I mean, you see ASU who they're they're ranked this year in the top twenty, and oh, they're fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. And and then you have rumors about U of A possibly jumping to the Division One level also. And the Junior Coyotes youth program is weirdly very, very good for, I mean, the hockey market that Arizona is. So, like, hockey is growing around Arizona. Well, you, I think they just need a better... a lot of ex-NHLers out here, Tino. Exactly, yeah. You can golf so, like, year-round in Arizona. Now, most of them would take off that are caught. They're smart. They bail out in May come back in like September. Right. But you know, it's, there's a lot of ex NHLers like uh, Ray Whitney was the coach of the junior coyotes a few mm -hmm. years ago. So, you know, it's, that's the thing is when I first moved out here, you know, I had that Canadian bias about the coyotes, you know, like, Oh, look at this organization, you know, run by Gretzky. It's just a puppet organization. And then it's no offense to Gretzky. It's just, he wasn't a great coach and his buddy as GM did not do a very good job. And then once they righted that around, the team started doing well. Like yeah. when the Coyotes made their playoff run in 12, they had no prof – their professional scouting was a joke. It was the NHL, bare, you know, bottom of the barrel, barely spending money on stuff, but they made a run, right? And then they stocked up on draft picks. Shika, gosh, he was the worst thing to happen in this organization. Just killed all that. And then they had to rebuild again, right? But they were on the right path. If it wasn't for the lockout that year, the Coyotes were going to at least make the conference finals again. They were the hottest team in hockey, and they missed out in the playoffs by one point. So that's the one that hurt the most because, you know, it was just peaking, and and you, you couldn't get tickets to the game that next season when it was, it was a shortened season because everybody wanted to go watch the Coyotes play. So that's the one that hurt the most because they had to blow up that team, which only had that last year in it anyway, right? They were – really just a hardworking, grinding team that was getting it done. Felt horrible for Shane Doe that, you know, he didn't get that last, you know, great run there. But, yeah. you know, it was it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, the hockey's good out here, you know. And, you know, Chris, Chris, you know, we always have that debate. He would rather go play in Minnesota. And if I can go back in time and there was a program at ASU to play hockey out here, Oh God, dude! I'd be out here. I would. I'd be in shorts. Yeah, hundred percent. Not so much necessarily Minnesota as it is the North. I'd much rather play in the North, and it isn't about band stuff or anything. I just hate the heat. I just I melt. Like I am the. Oh, dude, least, I'm a snowman. 
I am I, a yeah. snowman. <laughs> but I'm the least adaptable person to the heat. You get me in that heat, I slow down. It's just bad. But in the cold, I can always put something more on. I can always be comfortable. I can. But man, you put me in that heat, I just. It's like half charged, man. I am not my full self, which I'm concerned about because my new building uh, doesn't have air conditioning. Uh, so we'll <laughs> but going back we'll to this, you know, is you're the perfect example of, you know, like I said, I think it was 2015. I got my, you know, whatever, level four, level five USA hockey coaching thing. And California had taken over Minnesota and Michigan with the popularity of hockey, with the amount of new players out there playing. Right. And going back to, quote unquote, traditional you know markets in, in Canada, you know, they made fun of the expansion out in California early on, right? Like, oh, it's not going to work. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's worked out amazingly, right? You know, and the Ducks, I think the Ducks were the biggest driving force behind that, branding everything Ducks hockey and everybody else followed suit. But now, like, Nashville's got a packed barn. You know, all these non-traditional markets, I love it. Like, and that's why I want to get rid of that term because it doesn't matter if you if you love the sport you know, people are going to go show up and, you know, and embrace it. Right. And you can, Chris, you've seen that too, right. With some of the barns in the USPHL, right. Where. Oh, absolutely. The Western, well, the Western barns get full. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tino's playing it. Tino played in the West. He saw like Vernal would pack that house as well as a lot of the, I mean, Rogue Valley packs it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of these teams where it's, I mean, Rogue Valley, even this, what, a weekend ago? I don't know how you guys get it, did against the uh, the Oregon Ducks, but I know a weekend ago when you guys were playing whoever it was, Bellingham, I mean, you couldn't find a spot in that arena. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it almost sounds like the NHL just doesn't want to put in the effort in these warm weather climates because they think it won't work. But like Steve was kind of saying, it, it can work, and they've shown that it can. So I don't I don't really understand the – the reasoning, I mean, like, I, I'm not going to pretend as if I haven't also thought, like, the Coyotes should move at some point. But that's probably just when the team was bad more so than anything against the fans or or the the situation with ownership and stuff like that. It just it, – it's about putting in the effort to show that you can make it work, which is exactly what you were saying, Chris. Like, you know, these USPHL teams that put in the effort, that get – that do good job with marketing and stuff like that to actually – get people in the arena it's like it can work it doesn't matter where it can work yeah and i just and like it, spinning steve up so that's, that's <laughs> no of course he does but it, it even with the coyotes you know like it, it's such a special exception right like when we moved here again like again guys i had that bias right you know canada was the end all and be all of hockey we should have a team in quebec while well, i was that dude and then you get out here and you watch you know the people in arizona embracing the game they love the game um the arena location, Chris was there. It's not ideal. Like I said, I'm a diehard. I didn't feel like driving, you know, an hour plus to a game during a weekday to go because it's just too tiring. It was it was a terrible location. She never been there. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. Dude, I got one of one of one of the I used to coach used to coach the now head coach of um you know the Flagstaff's university team out there, you know, NAU. And a uh, brilliant player, Jake, giving me a shout out in this one. Um, he should have been, an, I always say this to him, he should have been a forward. He would have been probably, in my opinion, the best defensive forward, you know, in his high school division and probably in college. Still good as a defender. Just, I think he had too much talent to do that. But uh, Flagstaff, very cool spot, does not have the um, 
absolutely does not have the population to sustain a team. But however, back to the coyotes thing, right? The whole dude that owned Blackberry trying to buy the team and being sneaky about it, right? Like how often does that crap happen? Right. And that through this big, you know, you know, taint on the team. Like that wasn't the team's fault. That was some idiot overstepping. And by the way, he would have had to sell the team because how much money is he worth now? Anybody yeah. own a Blackberry? <laughs> well, that actually might be a great place to wrap this up as we're getting uh, <laughs> Chris, Chris, we just uh, lost our Blackberry sponsorship, buddy. <laughs> I don't think we're losing much there, buddy. Uh, but uh, but no, I think um, it's a great place to wrap this up. And if, if listeners want to continue, I've actually at that point managed to start a, the Patreon that I've tried to discuss for the last couple of weeks. I don't know. It, there might be bonus material out there on this episode, so give it a look. But um, for for now, what, what we got here on this podcast, this is a great place to wrap this up. So we again want to thank special guest goaltender for the NCAA's D3 UMass Boston Beacons, Antonio Tarantino, for joining us again today. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's it's always a fun time to hop on and talk hockey with you guys. So I'll definitely be back for more. And, and hear, Oh, he'll and definitely hear, be and back. Phoenician, and hear a Phoenician tee off about the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely you? got your fill of f-bombs today buddy <laughs> tino will be back ladies and gentlemen so make sure to listen out for that in a couple weeks here we'll be bringing him back on uh with a uh, goaltender for the rogue valley royals uh caden enstrom as well as uh we'll hopefully have teeth on that episode and hopefully steve as well and uh maybe another goalie who knows yeah it'll definitely be a good episode but like mental toughness and the mental side of goaltending so if anybody's interested in that i think it's definitely a, a topic that's overlooked and that's coming more and more popular so it's definitely going to be a fun fun topic to talk about we just had that a couple of days ago with our last tendy there too just the shaking off the cobwebs getting yourself focused and you know the hardest you know the hardest part about goaltending is you know besides being uh, athletic and flexible Huh? it's the mental aspect of getting out of your own head so yeah yeah and honestly that was a great episode too with ryan henry the uh one of the goalies for the provo predators a, a really fun episode to listen to too especially if you're a pueblo bulls fan and yes i'm saying he's part of the provo predators but if you're a pueblo bulls fan you'll want to hear that episode as well it's it's a great episode and uh it's a lot of fun to listen to ryan was great to talk to tino you've been great to talk to and uh we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in uh make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date that said this was a pigeon hockey podcast with chris steve and sam have a great one hockey fans take care hockey fans and remember listeners always clear your crease